My biggest challenge is making certain I get around the state of Texas and let people know who Royce West is. The Democratic field of candidates looking to unseat U.S. Senator John Cornyn just got a little more crowded. This morning we're hearing from longtime State Senator Royce West about his decision to run. Plus, Arlington is becoming a destination for sports and entertainment. This morning, Mayor Jeff Williams tells us what's next for the city. This is Lone Star Politics from NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News. Good Sunday morning. I'm Julie Fine from NBC5, along with Gromer Jeffers, political reporter with the Dallas Morning News. Grom, I missed you last week. I know. So did I. I mean, who needs sports when they can have Lone Star politics? Who needs sports when Unless you can it's have a politics? Game. Unless it's a Chicago Cubs game. Of Other course. than that, you know. Or a Buffalo Bills game. <laughs> <laughs> We begin this morning with the race for U.S. Senate. Four Democrats are now running to unseat longtime Senator John Cornyn. State Senator Royce West, the latest to join the crowded field. That includes combat veteran M.J. Hager, former Houston Congressman Chris Bell, and Houston City Councilwoman Amanda Edwards. To talk more about his decision to run, Senator West joins us this morning. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. First of all, what made you decide to get into this race? You know, after conferring with people around the state of Texas, um, kind of trying to figure out whether or not I had the support around the state to get involved in this based on what I thought I needed to do. Uh, it was determined that I did have that support. And the reality is, is that things, and you hear this all the time, that are broken in Washington. And we need people that can come to Washington and make sure we address the issues that are important as opposed to hiding behind uh, other leadership up there and and not really get anything done. I'm a type of person can get things done. First of all, you were here several weeks ago, and Julie asked you time after time, are you running for Senate? You knew then, right, that you were going to jump into this race. No, Carol didn't know then <laughs> I was running. <laughs> right. okay. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking I'm about. Yeah. By the way, I'd like to say you asked a couple <laughs> of questions, too, yeah. if he was running. Yeah. But yeah. first, you know, in order to get to, to John Cornyn, you have a primary. That's exactly right. And you have M.J. Hager, Chris Bell, and Amanda Edwards in the primary. Exactly. Edwards, Houston, Bell, Houston, Hager, Round Rock. Uh, Hager was in town last week, and she said that she's the fighter that's needed to be John Cornyn, and she's not a career politician. Now, I don't know if she was taking a shot at you or not, but you've been in the state senate for a long time. How do you respond to that? I, I, I agree with that. I'm not a career politician either. I, yeah, I have a business. I have a varied background. I've been in business some 35 years, making a payroll each and every day. I'm a part-time legislature. Anyone knows that Texas has, has a part-time legislature. And so from that standpoint, I agree with it. We shouldn't have a career politician. What sets you apart from the others in this, what's now becoming a very crowded field? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, experience uh, demonstrated leadership in terms of a multitude of issues that are important to the American people. I've demonstrated leadership, even though uh, my, my friend John Corning wants to say, uh, run ads at Liberal Royce West, John Corning came to me and asked me to carry some of his legislation. And so from that standpoint, I think that I can bridge that divide and work on the Democratic side and the Republican side to try to get things done. So you, you mentioned John Corning, he has cast you as too liberal from te well, for Texas, even dangerous. How do you respond to that? Oh, he, he said I'm dangerous too? But I mean, I mean, the reality is this, you know, this is a situation where 
uh, he's taking shots at me right now, okay? And that's fine, he can do that. But again, I want voters to understand that John Corning called on me to work with him when he was a, a lieutenant uh, attorney general of the state of Texas, in terms of having been passed laws. Oh, okay. what, do you remember what kind of laws? Oh, I think I uh, wanted uh, dealing with like child support, yeah. uh, giving the attorney general authority to go into uh, different jurisdictions, uh, local jurisdictions, things like that. We worked together on those types of things. So for him to sit up and say now that I'm liberal Roy West, I wasn't liberal then. I wasn't too liberal to carry uh, work with him in order to get carry some of his uh, legislation in, in the Senate. Before you can even get to John Cornyn, you have to get through a that's, primary. You told right. me earlier that you think it'll be four or five million dollars in the primary alone. How right. do you raise that money? One donor at a time, to be honest with you. I mean, you, you've got a maximum of $2,800. And what it does, it forces you to talk to people, which is great. You've got to talk to people and see whether or not they'll max out, okay, or whether they'll give you $500 or a dollar. And that's great. And so that's what I will be doing uh, over the course of uh, the next few months leading up to the primary. And the great thing about it is, is that when I talk to you about the support that I have around the state, uh, the 12 Democratic senators, 10 of them are endorsing me. Of the 67 House members, 47 are endorsing me. And that's around the entire state of Texas. And that doesn't count other elected officials that have, uh, uh, have endorsed me also. Go ahead. So go ahead, Jim. No. It's no secret a lot of people come here to North Texas to raise money. You are here in North Texas. But what about Houston? Two of the others in the primary are from that area. Well, How do you raise money there? Well, the same way. I mean, I, you got you got to remember, I, I finished from a law school in the state of Texas, the University of Houston. I sit on the University of Houston Law School Foundation Board. So I know people down in Houston. So uh, let me ask you, so your path, what is your path then? Obviously, your stronghold is, is North Texas. Where else do you feel like you can get some traction and, and, and get some votes? I'll get, I'll get traction in Harris County. Uh, again, again, I, I lived in Houston for an appreciable period of time. I have a law office in Houston. I, I interact with people in the public sector in terms of law enforcement, right. not law enforcement, but in terms of elected officials. And so I know a lot of people down in Harris County area, not only that, Fort Bend County area. Are, are the, you concerned, though, that M.J. Hager maybe has a head start on you? No. She has an organization, she's up and running. No. You're, you, you're not fully where you want to be yet, right, with your organization? No, not yet, but I'm not concerned. Uh, yeah, this, is not, um, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Okay, the LBJ references at your kickoff, what is that all about? Well, you know, uh, I guess it, it's about um, the type of demeanor that I have demonstrated and will demonstrate is, is, is akin to LBJ. Also, you talked a little bit about health care in your speech at your announcement. Correct. Talk a little bit about universal health care and pre-existing conditions and what people should know if they want the health care they have right now. Well, I think that what people need to recognize is that any health care bill will originate from the president's office. That's what's going to happen. And the Congress will help mold and shape the legislation, but the leadership will come from the president's office. And so, uh, the office of the president. And so, from that vantage point, I want to make certain that any bill that's considered by the U.S. Senate, that frankly hadn't been, uh, has a certain principles associated with it that I will support. That is making certain it's affordable health care. Uh, secondly, that we deal with drug issues, pricing issues, uh, that we deal with pre-existing condition 
issues. It's no reason why in the state of Texas we should have 25, up 20, between 25 and 30 percent uninsured persons living in the state of Texas. Something has to be done not only here in Texas, but throughout this entire country. Health care is the number one issue, and right now my Republican colleagues in, in Congress, uh, uh, the Republicans in Congress have not dealt with that issue yet. You haven't had a real tough race probably since your first one, and I don't even know if that one was tough. Um, what's your biggest challenge campaigning in, in 2020? The, the new style campaigning that Democrats well, I mean, are doing. I think that my biggest challenge is making sure I get around the state of Texas and let people know who Royce West is, and then they can, and then the things that I've done. You know, that's just like I mean, today is Sunday. Uh, this Thursday, this past Thursday, we ended up the um, MJ Conrad program, which is a, a, which is an internship program that I've sponsored for over 20-something years. We've had over close to 2,000 internships for students in this specific geographical area. And you should have seen some of those kids. And so I've got to make certain that I'm able to relate to generation, uh, the millennials, and tell them exactly what I want to do as their uh, U.S. Senator and make certain that I can get their support. Will you... Uh, I've got to go to rural Texas. Yeah. And I, I'm, and I understand... you forward to that? Of course. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is I understand that, uh, that there are not a lot of quote-unquote Democratic votes out there, but I need to go to rural Texas and make certain they understand, understand that I will represent their interests also in the United States Senate. Are you going to make an endorsement in the Democratic Party race for president? No. 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 Right. no. I've got my own race I had to run. All right. All right. Thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. And still ahead, we're sitting down with the mayor of Arlington. What's next for the city making a name for itself in the sports and entertainment world? Plus, what we can expect as the Democrats running for president take the stage in Detroit. A look ahead to the next round of debates ahead on Lone Star Politics. Joining us now, the mayor of one of the fastest growing cities in North Texas, Arlington Mayor Jeff Williams. Thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here, Julian Gromer. Right. Let's begin with growth. Any new entertainment areas planned, hotels planned to keep up with the new stadium and everything happening? As a matter of fact, there is, and we're very excited. We have a our first luxury hotel, Live by Lowe's, that's going to open up on August the 22nd in less than a month. And then, of course, we have the new ballpark in Arlington, which is going to be Globe Life Field that is has a retractable roof and air conditioning that is going to be opening up on March the 11th uh, with a concert. And I don't know what concert that's going to be, but I bet it'll be big. And then Six Flags is going great guns right now. They have been setting records in attendance. And uh, then, of course, also we are a finalist for the National Medal of Honor uh, Museum. And probably the last thing I want to put in is that eSports, uh, we have built the largest eSports stadium in America, and we have been hosting eSports tournaments, and we are going to be host to the Oscar Awards of eSports that was in London last year. This November, it'll be in Arlington, Texas. So, op opening day is not too far away, right? You must be excited about the Rangers going into the new stadium. Is there something about the, the, the new home you can tell us about that'll be different from, you know, other stadiums where retractable 
Well, there are several things uh, there on it. One is it's going to be an incredible atmosphere and the seats are all closer to the field. They have cantilevered and, and had a steeper incline and it's a very intimate setting uh, that you have there. And then also the food. Uh, they are uh, really working hard to say that, in fact, they've been telling me you're going to be coming for the food, not just baseball. And then it is going to be an incredible facility and already most of the owners in the major leagues are conceding that this will be the greatest major league baseball stadium in the country. And then I'm excited about the retractable roof. We'll have skylights in it. You'll have natural light coming in even when uh, the roof is closed. And then also the Rangers are now experimenting with when they will leave it open. Uh, but it is going to be an incredible facility to where in July and August, you're going to enjoy 72 degree, degree yeah, weather. Yeah, do you think uh, that'll help attendance, right? Yes. Yeah, you, are you confident that, you know, I mean, I mean the performance on the field, that's important, but you think people will come out to see a new stadium uh, in, in higher numbers than Cromer, they did the I, old ballpark, which I, is a beautiful ballpark. Yes, also. I hear from them all the time that they can't wait for the air conditioning. Uh, it's really an exciting thing. Yeah. that, And so, yes, I think we'll have more people coming out. And then, of course, for the future of, of baseball. You may recall Major League Baseball had done a survey and, and they were very concerned about young people not wanting to sit out in the heat right. in baseball. And now that's not the case, and so the future of baseball looks really bright here in North Texas. You talk about more people coming to the games and more people coming to certain events. They're driving there. Already there's very bad traffic in Arlington. How do you keep up with this? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, we do have traffic in Arlington, but we manage the traffic as well as anybody. But let me share some things that are happening right now. Arlington, Texas is on the cutting edge of transportation. We have hit on the, the most successful transportation program in the country with, in its ride share technology based, much like Uber or Lyft. We entered into a partnership with VIA and uh, we are running seven passenger vans throughout our city, also connecting to the regional rail at Centerport at a very economical rate, $3 each way. And our ridership is phenomenal. And in fact, 75 cities have followed our lead uh, throughout from Sacramento to Boston, implementing this program. And the Tarrant County mayors are also, uh, uh, the council has voted to move forward and extend the service throughout Tarrant County. Now we also are working and uh, we are on cutting edge of autonomous vehicles. We are the first city in Texas to run autonomous vehicles on our streets. We also were the first city to run a public shuttle in America uh, there in, in our city. And we are looking forward to experimenting there too with autonomous trains and, and looking at how that will go. And it's a new day. And then also unmanned air taxi. So we are looking at technology uh, here to really be an answer to transportation. Because you're right, Julie, we've got to keep working on that because we have 165,000 people a year that are moving here and then Arlington is drawing around 18 million visitors right, a year. Right. Are you doing all this this in lieu of traditional public transportation? Buses, light rail, all of that? That's right. Our ridership uh, here on VIA is far exceeding when we were running buses. It is, uh, it is a new day and then also even other people around the country are looking at alternatives to light rail and I think that in fact our experiments with autonomous trains may take the place 
of light rail. And yes, we are look, turning to technology because it's cheaper and it's safer. Right, how's that going over with the residents of Arlington and folks that work in Arlington that may live in other parts of the Metroplex? Well, I think our 97% customer satisfaction uh, surveys on VIA is a good indicator of how it's being accepted. The big thing, though, Gromer, is that we're taking care of our economically disadvantaged and, and also our elderly that are, that are physically challenged and getting them around to our hospitals, to work, to school, and we need to do more, so we are looking at expanding this service. You know, currently it goes from Fielder Road to our west to 360, all the way to Interstate 30 on the north to Interstate 20 on the south, and we're looking now to move it to the southeast. Right. Mayor Jeff Williams, we appreciate you coming. Thank you so much. Thank you, appreciate it. All right. And up next, we're about 48 hours from the next round of presidential debates. A look at where the Texas contenders stand as the candidates prepare to take the stage in Detroit. This week, the focus of Decision 2020 moves to the Motor City as Detroit prepares to host the second round of Democratic presidential debates. This stage is set at the Fox Theater for the July 30th and 31st events. On Tuesday, Senators Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren will take center stage. Also, Steve Bullock will make his first debate appearance and look for former El Paso Representative Beto O'Rourke. Here is the lineup for night two. That's when we'll see the other Texan in the race. Former HUD Secretary Julian Castro. Also on Wednesday, some will be looking for a rematch between Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Kamala Harris. You'll remember they went head-to-head -head during the debates here on NBC. Gromer, you're going to the Motor City. I am. You will be there. How important is this night for former El Paso Representative Beto O'Rourke, especially after the last debate? Yeah, you said it, especially after the last debate where... You know, he struggled. This debate, it's almost like a, a do-over, another chance for him. And he has to have command and presence, command of the stage. Uh, uh, he has a knowledge of the issues, but he has to portray that he's sort of bigger than what he portrayed last time. You know, he was just there last time. He has to take, he has to have this gravitas, this... Beto has to be Beto again, in a sense, the Beto at rallies, the Beto at, in small rooms. And, and uh, he has to do that on a stage with a lot of other candidates, and that's what's tough. So when he gets his time, he has to take advantage of it, but he can't be, you know, answering questions with anecdotes and all that kind of stuff. Direct answers to the questions and, and, and be bigger, be better, and then he'll be fine. And what about former HUD Secretary and San Antonio Mayor Julian Castro? They are not on the same night this time. Those two kind of went right. after. Actually, Julian Castro really went after Representative O'Rourke last time. Right. We won't get a Texas rematch, right? Uh, O'Rourke had a, I mean, uh, uh, Castro had a great debate last time, but he's still down in the polls, around 1%. You know what the good news is for him is that he's on the stage now with Joe Biden, the front runner. So he'll have a chance to contrast himself with Biden and Kamala Harris and everybody else. And maybe on that, on that stage, which will probably be the main stage, the main event of the two-day festivity, he can come out and, and, and do well for himself and do something to change the traject trajectory of the race. Because he has to rise in the polls. And Julie, that next debate in Houston, right? He has to be able to qualify for to, that. To so make he stage. needs more so than a roar. More so than a roar. Right? He needs a game changer, and we'll see if he can deliver it.
All right, Gromer will be in the Motor City. I'll be back here, and that's all the time we have. Thanks for joining us this morning. We'll see you next Sunday.